Letters 14 to 20 of The Power of Sympathy or the Triumph of Nature Founded in Truth by William Hill Brown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Letter 14 Harrington to Worthy, Boston how incompetent is the force of words to express some peculiar sensations expression is feeble when emotions are exquisite i wish you could be here to see with what ease and dignity everything comes from the hand of harriet i cannot give a description equivalent to the great idea i wish to convey you will tell me i am in love what is love i have been trying to investigate its nature to strip it of its mere term, and consider it as it may be supported by principle. I might as well search for the philosopher's stone. Everyone is ready to praise his mistress. She is always described in her native simplicity, as an angel with a placid mien, mild, animated, altogether captivating, and at length the talk of description is given up as altogether undescribable. Are not all these in themselves bare, insignificant words? The world has so long been accustomed to hear the sound of them that the idea is lost. But to the question, what is love? Unless it is answered now, perhaps it never will be. Is it not an infinitude of graces that accompany everything said by Harriet, that adorn all she does? They must not be taken severally, they cannot be contemplated in the abstract. If you proceed to chemical analysis, their tenuous essence will evaporate. They are in themselves nothing, but the aggregate is love. When an army composed of a great number of men moves slowly on at a distance, nobody thinks of considering a single soldier. Adieu. Letter 15. Harrington to Worthy. Boston. Am I to believe my eyes, my ears, my heart? And yet I cannot be deceived. We are generally most stupid and incredulous in what most materially concerns us. We find the greatest difficulty in persuading ourselves of the attainments of what we most ardently desire. She loves, I say to myself. Harriet loves me, and I reverence myself. I think I may now take upon me some share of happiness. I may say I have not lived in vain, for all my heart holds dear is mine. Joy and love encompass me. Peace and tranquillity are before me. The prospect is fair and promising as the gilded dawn of a summer's day. There is none to supplant me in her affections. I dread no rival, for our tempers are similar and our hearts beat in unison together. Adieu. Letter 16. Harrington to Worthy, Boston. Love softens and refines the manners, polishes the asperities of awkwardness, and fits us for the society of gentle beings. It goes further, it mends the heart, and makes us better men. It gives the faint-hearted an extraordinary strength of soul and renders them equal and frequently superior to danger and distress. My passions, you know, are quick. 
my prejudices sometimes obstinate she tells me these things are wrong this gentle reprimand is so tempered with love that i think she commands me i however promise to reform and am much pleased with my improvement harriet moulds my heart into what form she chooses a little party is proposed to-morrow evening and i shall attend harriet these elegant relaxations prevent the degeneracy of human nature exhilarate the spirits and wind up this machine of ours for another revolution of business letter seventeen harrington to worthy boston our little party was overthrown by a strange piece of folly a miss p was introduced a young lady of beauty and elegant accomplishments business and care were disgusted at the sight of so many happy countenances and had gone out from among us jollity and good humour bade us prepare for the dance unhappily at this juncture a lady and a gentleman were engaged in a conversation concerning miss p and one of them repeated the words a mechanic's daughter it is supposed the word mechanic was repeated scornfully she heard it thought herself insulted and indignantly retired disorder and confusion immediately took place and the amusement was put an end to for the evening i wish people would consider how little time they have to frolic here that they would improve it to more advantage and not dispute for any precedence or superiority but in good nature and sociability a mechanic and pray whence the distinction inequality among mankind is a foe to our happiness it even affects our little parties of pleasure such is the fate of the human race one order of men lords it over another but upon what grounds its right is founded i could never yet be satisfied for this reason i like a democratical better than any other kind of government and were i a lycurgus no distinction of rank should be found in my commonwealth in my tour through the united states i had opportunity of examining and comparing the different manners and dispositions of the inhabitants of several republics those of the southern states accustomed to a habit of domineering over their slaves are haughtier more tenacious of honor and indeed possess more of an aristocratic temper than their sisters of the confederacy as we travel to the northward the nature of the constitution seems to operate on the minds of the people slavery is abolished all men are declared free and equal and their tempers are open generous and communicative it is the same in all those countries where the people enjoy independence and equal liberty why then should those distinctions arise which are inimical to domestic quietude or why should the noisy voice of those who seek distinction so loudly re-echo in the ears of peace and jollity as to deafen the sound of the music for while we are disputing who shall lead off the dance behold the instrument gets out of tune a string snaps and where is our chance for dancing adieu letter eighteen harrington to worthy boston my beloved has left me for a while she has attended mrs francis in a journey to rhode island and here am i anxious solitary alone no thoughts but thoughts of harriet are permitted to agitate me she is in my view all the day long and when i retire to rest my imagination is still possessed 
with ideas of Harriet. Adieu. Letter 19. Harrington to Harriet. Boston. If a wish arising from the most tender affection could transport me to the object of my love, I persuade myself that you would not be troubled with reading this letter. You must expect nothing like wit or humor, or even common sense from me. Wit and humor are flown with you, and your return only can restore them. I am sometimes willing to persuade myself that this is the case. I think I hear the well-known voice. I look around me with the ecstasy of Orpheus. But that look breaks the charm. I find myself alone, and my Eurydice vanished to the shades. I hope you will not permit yourself to grow envious of the beauties of Rhode Island. Of the force of their charms I am experimentally acquainted. Wherever fortune has thrown me, it has been my happiness to imagine myself in love with some divine creature or other. And after all, it is but truth to declare that the passion was seated more in fancy than the heart. And it is justice to acknowledge to you that I am now more provident of my passion, and never suffered the excursion of fancy, except when I am so liberal as to admit the united beauty of the Rhode Island ladies in competition with yours. Where there are handsome women, there will necessarily be fine gentlemen, and should they be smitten with your external graces, I cannot but lament their deplorable situation, when they discover how egregiously they have been cheated. What must be his disappointment, who thought himself fascinated by beauty, when he finds he has unknowingly been charmed by reason and virtue? But this, you will say, contains a sentiment of jealousy, and is but a transcript of my apprehensions and gloomy anxieties. When will your preference, like the return of the sun in the spring, which dispels glooms and reanimates the face of nature, quiet these apprehensions. If it be not in a short time, I shall proceed on a journey to find you out. Until then, I commit you to the care of your guardian angel. Letter 20. Harrington to Harriet. Boston. Last night I went on a visit to your house. It was an adventure that would have done honor to the night of La Mancha. A moon ascended a clear, serene sky. The air was still. The bells sounded the solemn hour of midnight. I sighed. And the reason of it I need not tell you. This was indeed a pilgrimage, and no Mussulman ever traveled barefooted to Mecca with more sincere devotion. Your absence would cause an insufferable ennui in your friends, were it not for the art we have in making it turn to our amusement. Instead of wishing you were of our party, you are the goddess in whose honor we performed innumerable heathenish rites. Libations of wine were poured out, but not a guest presumes to taste it, until they implore the name of Harriet. We hail the new divinity in songs, and strew around the flowers of poetry. You need not, however, take to yourself any extraordinary addition of vanity on the occasion, as your absence will not cause any repining. Harriet, our goddess, and our grief no more. But to give you my opinion in this important matter, I must descend to plain truth, and acknowledge I had rather adore you a present mortal than an absent divinity, and therefore wish for your return with more religious ardor 
than a devout disciple of the false prophet for the company of the hurry thanks to the power of imagination for our fanciful interview methought i somewhere unexpectedly met you but i was soon undeceived of my imaginary happiness and i awoke repeating these verses though sleep her sable pinions spread my thoughts still run on you and visions hovering o'er my head present you to my view by fancy's magic pencil dressed i saw my delia move i clasped her to my anxious breast with tears of joy and love methought she said why thus forlorn be all thy care resigned i woke and found my delia gone but still the tear behind end of letters fourteen to twenty